Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, sponsored by Overdrive. This is Emma here, and today we have a fun episode for you where we're going to talk about all things romanticy or romantic fantasy. But before we dive in, a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Pro Book Nerds. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that, welcome to Maria and Joe. Hello. Good morning. Hello. I know it might not be morning when this actually (laughs) comes out, but whatever. It will be very early when this actually, when this comes out. Oh, there we go. First thing. Three in the morning. Three a.m. Eastern time. Oh well, then good morning for uh, those of you that notice when it drops. <laughs> if you are listening right now, why are you still up, or why are you up this early? Yeah, indeed. Go to sleep and come back and listen later, or just unless listen, you're JK. driving. Don't go to sleep. No. <laughs> With. With that, I don't know what that was. Just kidding. So I'm very excited to have Maria here today to talk with Joe and I about romanticy, romantic fantasy. I have to admit this episode was inspired by a lot of Maria and I's conversations (laughs) in general, particularly around our one and only true love. uh, Is this where you say Sarah J. Mass? Queen Sarah J. Mass. That's correct. She's had a lot of news recently. We all absolutely lost our minds over the announcement of House of Flame and Shadow Mm -hmm. and her new book deal. So since she was dubbed the queen of romanticy, that is actually what prompted this. What the heck are we even talking about? I know. So I... I did a, a list for libraries as part of my job here a while ago, calling it romanticy. And I was like, okay, so for real, like what, what is the difference here between like romantic fantasy and fantasy romance? And I guess what it really comes down to is like, what, what genre does like the, the setup of the book follow? Right. So it, a lot of, um, romantic fantasy or a lot of fantasy romance has a happily happily ever after or a happy for now ending. But that's not to say that romanticy can have that in some of the books, especially if it's like a series or something like that. Things can end like resolved enough, right? So I feel like it's it's tricky. Um I think there is a lot of romanticy where the romance isn't is a large part of the plot, but it's definitely not the main plot. Like you could still have a great book without that. But you know, of course one of the reasons I love romanticy is to read it for that relationship element. But if there wasn't the magic system or world world building element, it would definitely 
you know, not be as effective, at least for me. So I feel like aside from just that general setup of, of where the book is going, um, call it whatever you want. Cause if you like to read it, then that's great. Like re you know, yeah. So who cares, is the, really always who cares. So yeah. is there like a, a strong difference where one is it's a fantasy story that contains romance and the other is it's a romance story that contains fantasy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you can think about it like that. I think it's, it's, it's hard to say like contains fantasy, right? Because like <laughs> fantasy kind of has to be within every part of the story. If it's going to be either fantastical world creatures, magic, whatever, but yes, like there's a okay. lot more of the romantic plot elements in fantasy romance and in romanticy those romantic plot elements may not necessarily be there but there just may be a development of a romantic relationship that makes a lot of sense to me so like fantasy romance my brain immediately goes to the like she falls in love with a werewolf not quoting twilight Uh, but like all of the various (laughs) like Mm -hmm. monster love kind of books Go there's a lot way. of that there's a lot of that yeah yeah, yeah. supernatural um, paranormal focus yes. ro- got it okay yeah and i would say that like okay this is very random actually so i went to a wedding on saturday and we were at a table of people i only knew like a couple people it was like my friends friends from high school and mm. um we one the one person i did know loved sarah j mass and we were talking about that and then another guy at the table was like oh my god i love her book so much but I, I I kind of like flip through the the romantic elements, but like the fantasy world's so good. Like I'm obviously I'm not like bothered by it. It's just not why I read it. And so I feel like that's a really good defense of what romanticy is. That makes yeah. so. If it's not clear to the listeners, I am the absolute noob here. I know nothing about <laughs> fantasy romance or romance fantasy, but that that makes it perfect to me. That it's like it really is a fantasy tale, mm-hmm. but we're also making sure to focus on incorporating human elements or what we would say are human elements, like interpersonal relationships where Mm -hmm. a lot of just like straight fantasy ends up being very world and whatever. And you kind of miss out on some of the, the character driven bits, so to speak, as far as like Mm -hmm. bonding and and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In in like a romantic, more romantic way. I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of times in regular fantasy, you'll have a lot of like, found family or brotherhood or you know like bonding in that way yeah but yeah and then we of course completed like completely alienated the rest of the table by talking about sarah j mass for like 20 minutes and everyone else was like okay you know what for a wedding it was great it's 2023 and if you don't know who she is or what she's doing where have you been And that's any conversation with like a Sarah J. Mass head. Like you are gonna, you're gonna lose the the thread to oh, yeah, yeah. her books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just so funny. So I was like, I'm just about to talk about this on a podcast. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about some that I've read. I'd say I've read like most of these within the past like two years or less, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'm like like fresh and ready to go. Yeah. And so we're gonna recommend some of our favorites that we've read or that we're looking forward to reading in this space. And I will caveat that one of my picks, I think I've mentioned on the pod. I know I've mentioned on the podcast and I don't remember what I said about it, to be quite (laughs) frank. I don't know that it was the glowingest of reviews, but I am going to recommend it for this episode because 
reasons we'll get to. So we're just going to caveat. We're just going to preface with that because I didn't want to only talk about a court of thorns and roses or any of that stuff because we've, we've heard that (laughs) spiel enough. (laughs) So Maria, give us your first pick and we'll get going. Yeah. So I, I guess this is the, Two books are out in this series. Um, this is The Bright and Breaking Sea and a Swift and Savage Tide by Chloe Neal. They're part of the Captain Kit Brightling series. Um, these have been really fun. I, I looked to see if, if the third book had a release date yet, and I didn't see one, and I was like, no. Um, but uh, Kit Brightling is a captain in the Queen's Royal Navy. It's like a very Napoleonic type um, of setting, and uh, she... The magic in this series is not like in the forefront. It's more like the political intrigue of this fantasy world, um, which I I like political intrigue in my fantasy and sci-fi type romance um, relationships. And uh, she is paired up with with this Viscount named Rian Grant to rescue a captured spy. And of course, they're forced to be paired up on a mission and they don't like each other because they're very different personalities. Um, and so, you know, I love some opposites attract. Um, this is a, a very, very slow burn as far as the actual romance goes. They pretty much at the end of the first book just realize that they're attracted to each other. Like, I can't even remember if there's like a kiss. That might not be till the second book. But the action and just like how cool Kit Brightling is. She's like, she's like such like an awesome leading lady that um, I feel like you don't really miss it um and i'm a fan of spice so that's that's me saying that um but yeah there's um a lot of political intrigue sea warfare the magic system isn't so much the main focus but she's attuned to the sea um they call it like alignment so she like just has like a sense of where the currents are going and can like kind of direct them to help the ship navigate through choppy waters or storms and like things like that but she can't just like control the ocean right so it's it's kind of like a kind of an attunement sort of thing and then the second book they're paired up again because um uh captain uh kit needs rescued and of course who like crew comes to rescue but um viscount grant so love that they're reunited and then uh the enemy they're facing the second time is using dark magic and this definitely ended definitely with not a half happy for now type thing from from what i can recall um because this guy's still kind of like at large so i'm I'm looking forward to the third book slow burn but like really cool um setting that i i really hadn't read before and um i'm i'm really excited about about the last book but their banter is great and um i'm excited to see like how the relationship develops too i love the idea of that like has the idea of what the sea is doing has a vague control over it but not like powers over the sea it's yeah it takes away the opportunity to be like a little too deus ex machina like oh mm-hmm. we're in the middle of a storm i can just stop it yes right exactly like she's dealing with a lot of like real day-to-day problems right. which i feel like are i don't know it, it's, it's nice sometimes not to just be like oh magic can fix everything or magic can destroy everything like there's clearly a lot of nuance with it. I love that recommendation. And I feel like the whole like seafaring pirate oceany fantasy thing is also having a moment and has been having a moment for the last couple of years. Yeah. 
I love when trends come back around. Uh, my first recommendation is from Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And the reason being, if you're interested at all in this sort of space, I feel like this is a title that gets recommended often, especially if you're looking for Rita Likes to anything by Sarah J. Mass. I have lots of opinions on that, but I think it's worth a read if only because for me as a reader of this type of stuff, it helped me figure out what I liked and didn't like about the genre. And so there are a lot of elements in this story that I know a lot of people loved, whether it was more of an emphasis on the romance or the fantasy. And then it's also like, it's also just, I kind of subscribe a little bit to the, like, if it's having a moment, I kind of want to see what the moment is about. And this book has been having a moment for the last couple of years. The new book in the series, I think, was just announced. And I believe Amazon is making it into a something, a TV series. So again, like this is not, we're going to keep hearing about the this series. And so whether or not that's your take, I do think there is something to be said about, you know, reading these things as they're having a moment. I think I think that's a really good point. And like um, you said, I haven't read it, but I think like you were saying, even if it's not ends up not being your cup of tea, now you kind of know. Like I haven't really read any romantic tea that I was just like, eh, I'm gonna not because I'm gravitating towards things that already sound maybe good to me or whatever. Um, so that's a really good point. Maybe I'll read it just to uh, see. Yeah, and that's the thing is like this book. I also feel like is very. I don't want to say polarizing, but I definitely feel like people either really, really love it or they have lukewarm feelings about it. I don't know that it's kind of that in between, like it was so-so. I think you kind of fall into one extreme camp or the other. Mm -hmm. But um, for those of you that may not have heard about what From Blood and Ash is about, it follows Poppy. She's the maiden. And she's not supposed to be looked at. She's not supposed to be touched. She's supposed to be very solitary. She wears like a veil and a specific outfit. And she's very like, she's representative of something that you'll learn about (laughs) as you continue to read, but she's waiting for what they call the Ascension. And instead of just like performing her duties, she would much rather be learning to fight out there in the action, you know, and she's kind of in that position where she would rather have a more active approach to the things that happened to her, but because she's chosen as a maiden, it's this whole big prophecy thing. She's sort of boxed in, um, to that role. And so because of her role as the maiden, which again, sounds so vague, but you'll learn very quickly what that's about. The entire kingdom's future rests on Poppy's shoulders. And she's not even sure like she wants to continue the maiden duties. She wants to like actually go through all of these things because she meets this guy named Hawk. Oh, you do. He's one of the guards that is bound to ensure that she goes through the ascension and, you know, fulfills destiny and her duty and all of those things. But he, in the way that we enjoy gets under her skin. He irritates her beyond belief. He makes her question everything that she is meant to believe about her destiny, her role as the maiden, society, the court they're in, etc. And 
there's a lot of other really interesting fantasy elements that go on in this book. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a lot more here than I think the description states. So there's some supernatural beings, there's kingdoms, there's some magical systems, there's like all the whole destiny thing. So I would definitely check it out if that at all sounds intriguing to people and let me know if you love it or hate it. I see this book so often paired side by side with A Court of Thorns and Roses and other things in that vein. And I think that it does a lot of the things that you may be looking for, but it takes it in a whole different direction. That's interesting because one of the books I'm talking about, like part of the publisher blur was like for people who are fans of From Blood and Ash. So, and I can see it like from what you're saying. So is it like a thick book? Or not really? The first one, no. I think the okay. first one's like average. Okay. And then like the the subsequent ones in the series, I feel like get okay. bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. But um, yeah. I feel a like there's a lot going on. <laughs> Joe, what do you want to recommend? Oh, boy, it's my turn. So I <laughs> want to start off with like a quick shout out. I mentioned this in our April Book Picks episode, but this fits the theme. It's not out yet at the time of recording uh, Spellbound by F.T. Lukens. It absolutely fits the romanticy mm-hmm. trend, at least as far as I understand it now. Um, and you can listen to our April book picks if you want a full description, but I know that book will be fantastic anyway, so I'm not even, not even mad to shout it out again here. Uh, but my first pick specifically for this episode is The Watchmaker of Filigree Street uh, by Natasha Pulley. This was Natasha's debut back in 2015, and it has grown to become a Guardian Summer Read, an Amazon Best Book of the Month, Goodreads Best Book of the Month. All of those It had a lot of wonderful uh, kind of accolades in 2016 following its release. But this is a historical fiction, romance, fantasy kind of tale uh, following Thaniel Steepleton as he returns to his tiny flat to find a gold pocket watch on his pillow. When the watch saves his life in a blast that destroys Scotland Yard, he goes in search of its watchmaker, Kita Mori, a kind, lonely Japanese immigrant. Meanwhile, Grace Caro is sneaking into Oxford Library, desperate to prove the existence of the luminiferous ether before her mother can force her to marry. So these three characters kind of become intertwined in their lives, got a little maybe touch of a love triangle there, no spoilers. And events spiral out of control until Thaniel is torn between loyalties, futures, and opposing geniuses. Ooh. Yeah. I little... love this cover, too. I know. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. it's super pretty. It's got that. It, it just has the vibe of, like, um, I love that element of magical realism where it's our world, but just a little bit to the left. So uh, that's where I was really drawn to with this. But that is The Watchmaker of Filigree Street. By Natasha Pulley. That's um that's been on my TBR for a long time. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I've lately started getting more into the like that like type of historical fantasy. Um, I I read a lot of historical like Asian inspired mm-hmm. fantasy, but not necessarily like more like UK like that type. Same. Um, like uh, Victorian or Regency or whatever. Um. But another one that's on my TBR that I was going to talk about, too, is like of a, a similar vein. So anyway, I, I guess it. I guess we're like all of our picks like we're we've lined up pretty we're, well. I know. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. Maria, do you have a, your next pick that goes uh, a, yeah. a little bit along with that? Yeah. So, um, well, I have one that goes along with, well, okay. I'll talk about the one that's on my TBR first. This is, uh, this is out now. There's actually two books in the series. Um, the first book is called A Marvelous Light by Freya Marski. And the series is called The Last Binding. Um, and this is a male-male romanticy. And it's uh, about Robin Blythe. And he's struggling to be a good older brother, a responsible employer, uh, the baronet of a seat gutted by his late parents, like, you know, excesses and everything. And an administrative mistake makes him um, the civil service liaison to a hidden magical society. And so he discovers stuff that's been operating in the beneath like his reality which is really cool but now he's contending with all these like new dangers and like understanding magic and then he also now has this cold and prickly counterpart he has to work with named edwin and um he clearly just wants robin to be like anywhere else right because they are just he's he's been working here he's trying to keep to himself all that stuff and then of course um Obviously, they're thrown together and they start facing unexpected dangers and then, you know, romance happens. So anyway, that's been on my list for a while because it just sounds like really delightful and um, it, it's gotten great reviews. I think it's been on a couple. It might be a library reads pick. I can't remember. I, I didn't write it down. But um, yeah, I just this just sounds like something I would really enjoy whenever I <laughs> end up reading it. <laughs> I yeah that's going on my TBR because that sounds right up my street like that's too yeah. perfect yeah uh and is there a th- there's a third one that's coming out this yes. year I think it's later this year or maybe it's even earlier this year I don't know I uh uh power a power unbound oh man Love Ooh, it. so yeah that's a good problem great. to have too many yeah books. I know I know. Now I'm like, oh, great. I have three to read now. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So Power Unbound uh, looks like November, but there's a cover. Yeah. So and it's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. The covers are <laughs> gorgeous. But so yeah, good. I really want to read that one. But yeah, the first book came out in 2021. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. That looks so good. I've definitely seen those books on a lot of lists and it's definitely been on the ever, never ending TBR. 
So I'm going to sneak in my one Sarah J Mass recommendation into the middle of this. So I would recommend A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J Mass. I don't I was going to say you don't have to read the other books, but you do, but it's yeah. so different. I feel like you could almost, if you don't mind like a couple like times of being like, what? You probably could actually read it by itself because I think that the main, especially the main female character, Nesta's journey of what she's dealing with is kind of her own thing. So right. I feel like you could. Right. So you, so for the people that are unawares, (laughs) this is the fourth book in the A Court of Thrones and Roses series. The first three and a half books, because there's like a little novella in the middle, uh, follow Feyre and her journey. This book pivots to follow Feyre's sister, Nesta. So it is told from a completely new point of view with Nesta. And so She's pretty prickly and mean throughout the other books. We really don't get much insight into her beyond obviously her sister's observations of her in this world. And so this this is the first time where we get inside of Nesta's head and we kind of learn a little bit more about what she's been going through. So if you want to know everything that leads up to this moment, read the other books. If you're just interested in sort of her story, I think you could pick it up on its own. This is the first book in the series that I think prompted the shift to adult. Yes. (laughs) Because it is decidedly spicy, Mm -hmm. like well beyond, I think the rest of the books in the series, this is very spicy. So I know that that's not helpful because what I think is spicy might not be what you think is spicy and vice versa, but there are a lot of smutty scenes in this that I think are very, they're not like very graphic, but things are described. Yeah. So if you want that, like closed doors fade to black, this is not that. So (laughs) with all of those disclaimers, uh, Nesta again is always like been really aloof, very prickly, rude. She became a fae against her will. So she's sort of put in this situation where she's, she didn't choose any of this and she's pissed to say the least. Um, She's sort of stuck, not knowing how to proceed. There was a big war prior to this book and she's sort of dealing with a lot of the after effects of being in such a hideous battle. And the one person who makes her the most irritated beyond belief is Cassian. Oh, he's like the head oh of, God. of, um, he's so dreamy, the okay. night court, like armies. And my gosh. Yeah. Again, he's a fan favorite from the rest of the series. Um, and he, he can't stay away from her and all they do is clash. Like all they do is argue But obviously there's something more there because behind all of that, like conflict is like simmering (laughs) passion. And so that's pretty much all going on whilst again, all these fantasy elements are happening. So from this, the rest of the series, there are the treacherous human Queens who returned to the continent during the last war. And they forged like all these 
wild new alliances that are threatening this like temporary peace that has come about after the war. And so to get them sort of taken care of and keep everything status quo without going into like, you know, crazy other battles, um, they've actually got to rely on Cassian and Nesta to do some of this work in this world. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of uncertain elements here. They're obviously grappling with what the world is like after this huge war. Um, we have a totally different perspective of this world from these new care, not new characters, but from their perspective. And we've got spicy, spicy, spicy. And yes. So a court of silver flames, check it out. Now I know I'm opening a floodgate here, um, <laughs> but so a court of thorns and roses is one whole series. How yes. many books are there currently? Six. Your books aren't there, so I can't count. Uh, four. Well, well, four, four and a novella. Oh, okay. Four and a novella. Okay. Yes. And the fourth one, as you just said, pivots to an entirely different character. Yes. Now. Sarah J. Mass has a different series as well. Is that Crescent City? Yes. She has Crescent City and Throne of Glass are her oh two my. other series. Okay. So she does have a ton of books out there in the world. And I know I could Google all of this, but I have two experts here. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. Would, are they all similar veins? Like, would they all fall into this romanticy or are some more fantasy? Yeah. Some are more... That's interesting because I put I just read Throne of Glass like last year. It's, oh yes, it, it, it was is her first list. series. Yeah, yeah, it was very exciting. Um, and and I think it does. It, I think it does still fall into that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely um, Throne of Glass is definitely more YA. I think the whole series is still classified as YA, but just the way that the romance is discussed and this the. Um, more like physical scenes are a little bit more fade to black type for the most part until like maybe the later um, books in the series. But yes, I think they do all fall into those. It's just that each world is like very different in how it's set up. Okay. I love that. So it's that, yeah, they're not really like separate series, but correlated. They're all kind of different worlds of their own. Yeah. And they, I think they, they certainly fit in that. Yeah. They're fantasy with those romantic elements throughout, but, there are larger things at play Mm -hmm. and the stakes are much higher than just whether or not the, these two characters are going to get together or something. Yeah. But I'm learning so much today. I think, (laughs) and you know, what is, you know, what's so interesting about about her book Thursday morning. Yeah. Is I think though, is that maybe, yeah. Originally the throne of glass series was young adult. I think with their new covers, they've re I think they rebranded it to adult. You or- know what? I think you're right. I saw that um and I in yeah. marketplace and I was like, "Oh, interesting." Which to me, I don't I mean, I this this goes into agree with that. <laughs> my opinions as well, but I do agree that Court of Thorns and Roses in general could be classified as adult, even the first one, which could right. also be young adult. It could go either way. But I think Throne of Glass is is decidedly more young adult was very clearly her YA series to kind of start off with. That makes sense. But there's such a long tradition of sometimes we don't know where to place books. I think of like seeing Lord of the Rings in juvenile YA and adult sections in a library. So yes, I know there really are. There's some things that it's just, it's, it's hard and it depends on 
it depends on the reader, right? Like I didn't right. read a lot of YA because I just went like straight from like middle Same. grade to like reading adult fantasy. So yeah, it, it's, you know, it's hard, but that's what I think. And I would probably agree on that after having read them that it's, it's more a YA than Court of Thorns or Roses and definitely Crescent City is definitely adult. He's definitely adult. And what I like about going in a tangent, what I like about Crescent City is that it's, it's so different in that it's more contemporary. Mm -hmm. They have cell phones, they go to nightclubs, whereas in A Court of Thorns and Roses and even Throne of Glass, those fantasy worlds are a lot more arcane. Arcane. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Like they're I kind of get the vibe of like medievalish, medieval, like, like yeah, castle, yeah. Renaissance. Like, yeah, they're yeah. in their village. They're yeah. hunting for yeah. their food. They go to the square to trade goods, kind of a thing. Whereas mm-hmm. in Crescent City, they just go to the store. So yeah, wait, yeah. maybe Crescent City is my way into the Sarah J. Mass, Mass universe. I it's a that's a great call because they're great books. Okay. Yeah, I can get into that. Yeah, but you might as well wait because the third book comes out January of yeah. 2024. So time that as you will. <laughs> yeah, I'll add it to the end of the year list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for my next pick, I am going to break the rules a little bit. I am going with a sci-fi romantic. Wait, I think I know what you're talking about and that's okay because it was like one of my favorite books. <laughs> Winter's Orbit? Yes, oh my yeah. God. And Ocean's Echo, they're both <laughs> phenomenal. Anyway. No, absolutely. Okay, good. I'm glad it was worth the break. This is Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell. So this is a really fun uh, 2022 Alex Award winner and a Sunday Times bestseller um, where we find Prince Keem, a famously disappointing minor royal and the emperor's least favorite grandchild. He's been called upon to be useful for once. He's commanded to fulfill an obligation of marriage to the representative of the empire's newest and most rebellious vassal planet. His future husband, Count Janin, is a widower and a murder suspect. Neither wants to be wed, but with a conspiracy unfolding around them and the fate of the empire at stake, they will have to navigate the thorns and barbs of court intrigue, the machinations of war, and the long shadows of Janin's past. And they'll have to do it together. So begins a legendary love story amid the stars. So it's a little ancillary justice, red, white, and royal blue. I mean, you can't be mad by being compared to either of those books. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, Maria, the next book, Chef's Kiss. Oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) And the nice thing is like they they take place in the same world, but it's not a series. So you you just read them, you know. Exactly. It doesn't whenever you want. Right. You can kind of do whatever you want with this story and then move into the second uh, second in quotes, because right, not a series, but it's it's so much fun. And, uh, you know, I had to make it a little queer today. Oh, well, here's, <laughs> we are doing so good with lining up our picks. It's like unreal. Literally, the next thing I was going to talk about was like, highly recommend this book if you read and loved Ocean's Echo by Everina Maxwell. <laughs> so wait, I'm going to, can I go right into it? Okay, thanks, Emma. Emma's nodding at me. Um, okay, so I want to talk about A Taste of Golden Iron by Alexander Rowland. This is like a squee at the end for me type of book. I just thought it was so good. And, and this is kind of a happy for now ending. So this might fall more into um, 
fantasy romance, but whatever, Joe broke the rules, so so am I. Um, so A Taste of Golden Iron is a queer central romance and unfolds in a fantasy world that's kind of like Ottoman Empire-ish, which is really cool. Um, we have Kadu. He is the shy, he's a shy prince prince of Arasht, and he finds himself at odds with one of the most powerful ambassadors at the court. Um, so to prove his loyalty to the queen, who's his sister, Kadu takes responsibility for the investigation of a break-in at one of their guilds with the help of his newly appointed bodyguard, who is the coldly handsome Evimer. He seems to tolerate him at best, and Evimer was raised in the villages, and it, he's clearly uncomfortable with a lot of palace life as well. Together, they discover a conspiracy that could cripple the kingdom's financial standing and bring about its ruin. Um, highly recommend this book. Again, if you've uh, read uh, Ocean's Echo or Winter's Orbit, very similar vibe political intrigue with a very heartfelt romance that like brings out it like brings out the best in these characters like it pulls out their strengths and it helps them fight their weaknesses um i think Rowland especially does a really good job of uh kadu has like severe anxiety and and she i think does a really good description of his anxiety attacks, like, I, I feel like that just really well described in the book and, and kind of how at first, like, Evermore is like, not, he, he's like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm his bodyguard. I thought I was supposed to just like kill people, save him. And now he's having an anxiety attack. And like, by the end of the book, it's, you know, like he knows exactly what to do and they're like working on it together. It's, it's really, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's really good. I would read more of Rowland's stuff. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Their banter is great. And yeah. I love everything about that. Yeah, highly and recommend. Also, who doesn't love like a bodyguard romance story? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's it's really great. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think it came out last year. I want to say. Twenty twenty one. Oh, twenty twenty one. Oh no, I think it came out twenty twenty two. Unless I'm looking oh. at this wrong. No, I was just trying to read Emma's lips. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I must have done it wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, it came out August 2022, and I don't know. Let me see. I want to see if they have another book coming out. Okay, no, but it's okay. I don't know if it's going to be a series. I don't think so. But anyway, highly recommend. The author does have some er earlier stuff, but I I really enjoyed uh, Taste of a Golden Iron. Oh, I can't wait to read this. It looks so good. And the cover is stunning because that's yep. all I talk about. <laughs> Speaking of stunning covers, my next recommendation is Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. This comes out April 4th, 2023. So by the time you listen to this, it will be out. This follows two young rival journalists who find love through magical connection. They must face the depths of hell in a war among gods to seal their fate forever. I don't know that I need to read more, but I will. So <laughs> after centuries of sleep, the gods are warring again, but 18 year old Iris Winnow just wants to hold her family together. Her mother is suffering from addiction and her brother is missing from the front lines. Her best bet is to win the columnist promotion at the Oath Gazette. To combat her worries, Iris writes letters to her brother and slips them beneath her wardrobe door, where they vanish into the hands of Roman Kit, her cold and handsome rival at the paper. When he anonymously writes Iris back, the two of them forge a connection that will follow Iris all the way to the front lines of battle. 
for her brother, the fate of mankind and love. This is like shadow and bone meets lore and divine rivals. We have enemies to lovers fantasy filled with hope, heartbreak, and the unparalleled power of love. This is technically young adult, I think, but again, fantasy and romance vibes with a dash of historical fiction. I like that they're journalists. Like I know. that's such a great like what a pick. profession. I don't know, like for yeah. for a fantasy novel. It's yeah, really cool. for a fantasy novel where we kind of take those although yeah, like newspapers are not new by any means. Right, right. But it kind it's of just like a it's just an interesting career to have them set against yeah. in this sort of fantastical battle. Cool. So that is Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. I'll go with uh, kind of somewhere in the middle pick or a little similar there. Uh, This is Song of Scarabs and Fallen Stars by Lindsay Sparks. It's part of uh, the Fateless trilogy. I think it's book one. And this is listed as an Egyptian mythology time travel romance. So I'm pulling a lot of, right? Pulling a lot of words together there. (laughs) Tarset is accustomed to being the most famous woman on the planet. But the world is locked in a devastating war between humans and immortals, and her spotlight is fading. When she's inexplicably killed, only to find herself alive, but thrust back several millennia to ancient Egypt, she is desperate to cross the vast chasm of time stretching out before her. Striving to keep a low profile and avoid causing a devastating butterfly effect, Tarset journeys across the harsh desert and befriends a handsome stranger who claims he can repair the damaged timeline. But the man she suspects is her fated mate has an air of dangerous secrecy, and she fears one misstep could cost her her life and those of her entire bloodline. So can this starlet in a strange land correct the past before it scatters her future to the winds? You'll have to read and find out. Uh, But that is Song of Scarabs and Fallen Stars by Lindsay Sparks. Another great cover. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And also like another cool profession for like the main character. Right. She's a starlet and there's yeah. some sort of like immortal war going on. And now she's back in time. I love it. It This to me harkens like it's got a bit of camp to it. Like there's there is something campy nice. to me inherently about going back in time. And that mm-hmm. back in time happens to be ancient Egypt. Like there's something. Yeah a little played out about that but that is so fun and it's that's awesome it's a really fresh take on it this came out um about a year ago now so march 2022 so nice um i and i have one more i think we have time okay yeah so it's the one i'm currently reading um i'm like 60 percent done with the audiobook so i'm reading the foxglove king by hannah witten um it's the first in a new series called the nightshade crown and i'm really loving uh the audiobook a lot of times i for me it's like really hard to sometimes listen to fantasy on audio because like i have to pay attention but the way this is written makes me want to pay attention so i'm normally like i'm gonna ignore everything else instead and just pay attention to this book which is great um so this uh centers around a the main character's name is lore and when she was 13 she escaped a cult in the catacombs beneath the city of Del Air. And 10 years, it's 10 years later, she's technically still running, but she can never completely escape because her death magic ties her to the city. Mortem is the magic born from death. It's high-priced and illicit commodity in Del Air. 
and Lore's uh, current job is just running poisons for like a gang, you know, in the city. It keeps her just kind of in relative security and also obscurity. But when a run goes wrong and Lore's power is revealed, she's taken by the Prescomort. They're a group of warrior monks sanctioned to use Mordom working for the king. I know there's like a lot going on. Um, so the king wants to use Lore's death magic and her spying, you know, ways as a poison runner to his advantage, because there's these villages on the outskirts of the country that have just been like dying overnight. There's like no sign of like other distress. Like it's very random. And then he also wants her to spy on his son because he thinks his son is like colluding with the enemy or whatever. So Laura can basically either use her magic to find out what's happening um, or she can die because magic wielders are not really supposed to be doing that so she's thrust into the royal court where obviously no one can be trusted because it's court machinations and all that um she's guarded and like kind of accompanied by gabriel who is one of the prescomort monks that used to be a duke um and they keep continually running up against bastion who is the uh heir to the throne that they're trying to spy on and he's very charming but he's also super cunning um and so you know, she's left this life behind the catacombs, but now that she's having to use her magic in the court, it's kind of catching back up with her. That's kind of where we are right now. So she's been using it a lot. She's becoming closer with Gabe. She's She and Bastion kind of have an understanding now, too. So I'm like, love triangle. Let's go. I'm ready for it. It's like, you know, like it's like obviously right there, but I'm also still obviously very excited about it. Um, And I think that the magic system is so cool. Mortem is like, it's death, but she can like wield it. So she's like kind of a necromancer, but like not really. And she can like see death in all things. So there's like Mortem in the rocks. There's Mortem in people's bodies. And like, you know, like, because there's always a little bit of it like everywhere. So it's really interesting how it's described and managed. And also the description of how it feels for Lore, who naturally has this ability versus Gabe, who got it by being in the Prescomore, it is really interesting. So between like the magic system and the love triangle, I'm like, I'm I'm into it. And nothing has happened with either of these men yet, but I like I can feel like it's really close. Like I'm gonna say next 10% of this book, I think something's gonna happen. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I'm enjoying it. I love all of that. I mean, <laughs> and there's I, I love how you described that there is so much given to the magic system because I feel like often that is what I want and that is what ends up missing. Mm-hmm. So for that alone, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say like if if there's not gonna like even if there is a lot of political intrigue, I love a good magic system. More so than like the actual world building. Absolutely like, same. Yeah, I don't like care as much about the world. System. Yeah. Yep. So I really, I really enjoy this magic system. Um, and we're learning about like maybe other types of magic and things that are, that are there too. So yeah, but this was the one that was for fans of Blood and Ash as well. So. Oh yeah. I didn't even yeah. put that together. I mean, neither did I, I uh, just re- read that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and that book has been on, it's literally been on my book cart for like yeah. eight months. So I'm going to have to move it back up the list. Yeah, I've I've really been enjoying it. Um, Yeah, I believe it came out very recently. I want to say like March, early March, this yeah. March. I was going to say like days ago, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it did. But it sounds so good. I want the final verdict. So, oh yeah, for sure. 
Thank you both so much for that wonderful discussion of romanticy. We got a lot of good thoughts in. We got a lot of good recommendations in. If you have read a book in this genre that you think other people need to know about, please let us know. You can Mm -hmm. message us on social or send us an email. We would love to hear what you think. Thank you. And then Emma (laughs) can pass that on to me because I want to know to make sure that I can tile my already aggressive TBR with these things because I could read this stuff like all day. Anyway, I'm sorry, Emma. No, absolutely. (laughs) So we can, and you know what, if we need to do a a part two, let us know. (laughs) I'm not upset about it. And I can update you on how my entrance into romanticy is going. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I'm just going to make Joe read A Court of Silver Flames with no (laughs) other context. It's fine. Okay. You know what? That would be a great experiment. We could like live tweet your updates, your thoughts. Yeah, I'll text them to you and you tweet them. Yes, exactly. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Maria, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks Joe, for having me. as always. Happy reading. Yay. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.